Well, we're starting a new series uh, today, and through the season of Lent, we're calling it Face-to-Face, Encounters with Jesus. And uh, you're going to be hearing from me today and uh, some of our other preachers over the next several weeks, as I'll be sitting there with like a straight leg cast on for the next couple of weeks. But uh, uh, you're going to hear from several of us, I think Danny next week and Rolf the next week and then Michelle in a couple of weeks. So you're going to hear from several voices over the next several weeks as we work our way through some passages of Scripture, largely in the Gospel of John, today from Matthew's Gospel, but largely in the Gospel of John, uh, engaging with some of the personal encounters that Jesus had with with people, face-to-face conversations, and uh, something beautiful happens when Jesus comes face-to-face with, with people, and we believe that he can do that in our hearts and lives as well. So we're, we're kind of leaning into this, but today we're going to look at a, a face-to-face encounter that Jesus had, not with a human person, but with, with, with the tempter, with the devil. And uh, before we kind of read this, this passage, uh, I just want to let you know that we believe in the devil. Um, we don't go around talking about the devil a lot in our church. We don't, uh, you know, we, we don't kind of blame the devil for a lot of things. You know, the devil made me do it, right? You remember, anybody remember Flip Wilson? Was that, am I getting the name right? Yeah, that's kind of early in my days, but the devil made me do it. We, we don't, you know, we don't give him a lot of blame and a lot of credit, but Guess what? The Bible talks about the devil. Jesus talks about the devil. And the story they're going to read today uh, is an encounter between Jesus and this evil one. So while it's not like a, you know, a, a, a main topic of discussion for us around here, it's a reality that the Bible uh, clearly acknowledges. Uh, and so do we. So with that, let's read Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. As you're turning there, I invite you to take the scriptures. Let me just remind, or let me just announce, and you can stand with me. Um, I I wanted to announce this earlier. Some of you heard this, uh, but they're not here today, so I didn't think about this. But Landon and particularly Lonnie Boucher, they had their baby this week. And Landon, you remember, was sitting up here just last Sunday, and I was announcing that it could be weeks or it could be days. It turns out it was hours. It was the next, it was that very night that Lonnie went into labor, and, and uh, Isaiah Joe Boucher, their little baby boy, was born on Monday evening. Little guy, six pounds, three ounces, uh, but looking good and healthy, and uh, we're really, really grateful that he is here. Um, all right, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, a familiar story to, to many, maybe new to some though. And at the end, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and you can say, thanks be to God. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came. And said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, we've, we've all perhaps had our face-to-face encounters with different people in our lives that, that maybe were kind of exciting or kind of, kind of shook us up a little bit or, or uh, just kind of interesting. Uh, living in Santa Barbara, you know, in Southern California, sometimes you have some face-to-face encounters with celebrities or athletes. I, I was at a... Um, I was actually at a basketball game a couple years ago. I made me think of it because it was kind of the anniversary of this. Two years ago, uh, San Marcos basketball won the CIF championship uh, down in, um, we were down actually at Zeus Pacific, and the game before uh, San Marcos's game, there was a, a team playing from Brentwood. Now, I don't know a lot about Brentwood, but there were a lot of just pretty looking people sitting in the stands, and uh, I was kind of scanning them. Actually, I was scanning them because I was waiting for their game to finish so all their fans would leave so we could get good seats in the stands. But as I was scanning the crowd there of the Brentwood fans, I saw this particular face. Hey, Harrison Ford in the building. What is, what is, what is going on? And so I'm like, I'm looking at him, like, yep, there's, there's the earring, the, the, the loop. He's always got that in. And I'm looking at him. I'm kind of checking him out. I'm watching the game. But I just can't stop looking at Harrison Ford. It was the weirdest thing. I, I don't know if any, you know, I mean, it's like Indiana Jones, people. What is going on? And so I, I'm looking at him and I'm watching the game. I'm like, did Harrison think that was a good play? <laughs> Is my buddy Harrison clapping for that one? Oh, me too, yeah. If Harrison likes it, I like it. And uh, I'm just kind of, you know, enjoying it. I'm like, I, but I'm like just enamored. And then the game kind of gets interesting, and actually Shaquille O'Neal's son was playing in the game, and so kind of looking for Shaq too, you know, where's he? Um, but uh, I, I kind of forgot about Harrison, kind of, sort of. But then I went back under the, under the, back behind the bleachers was this long, sort of narrow hallway that led you to the concession stand. It was really sort of obscure, this beautiful uh, event center there at Azusa, Azusa Pacific. But the, 
concession stand was this narrow hallway, and you had to walk down it to get to the concession stand. So I was like, I had to get some popcorn. I don't remember what I was going back there for, but I, I went back to the concession stand and was there and getting whatever I was going to get. And, and then I, I turned around, and I, I just remember kind of noting that as I looked up, the, the hallway was just empty, long, narrow hallway, except for one person at the very end. And I, I didn't even really think much about it. And I just kind of started walking. It's the only way out, back to the stand. I started walking down the hallway, one way in, one way out. And then we started getting closer. And, and I, I was like, Han Solo coming right at me. I was so nervous. I was like, it's me and him, like right here. What are we going to do? Are we going to like draw lightsabers? Or I know he doesn't do that. But um, I'm like, can I do the, Can I be chewy for a second here? Like, what? what? But the more closer we got, like, the more nervous I I'm nervous even telling this story right now. And, and I was like, what am I going to do? I mean, it's like my face to face with Harry, my buddy. And uh, at the last second, I just totally panicked, freaked out, and just put my head down, kept walking. I know, huh? That's such, such a bummer ending to that story. I was like thinking all week, should I make something up? Like, like I just turned around and walked with him back to the concession stand. Hey, what are you getting, Harrison? How about some bottled water? It's pretty good. But no, I just panicked, freaked out. I kind of like kept a little bit of corner eye contact just in case I got a little head nod or anything. And he's focused. I'm like, people are wanting autographs, pictures all the time. Just let the guy get his popcorn and get back to the game. So, boom. Some of you have had moments like that, maybe. I don't know what your face-to-face encounters have been. Like, we you just come face-to-face, maybe somebody that I mean, they can be great, right? Some face-to-face encounters can be wonderful. Like with people that you know, a cup of coffee with a good friend. You can take Harrison's picture down now. All the ladies are staring at him. The guys too, right? Um, uh, you know, getting together maybe with the, some family that you haven't been with for a long time and just, just being able to be in the same room. I mean, it seems like in our day and age, there's less face-to-face uh, actually in the same room. There's more FaceTime on the app, you know, on, the, on, on our phones. More texting, more Snapchatting, more direct messaging, you, you name it. But less actually sitting in the same room with someone and looking them in the eye and hearing and sensing kind of their emotion and picking up on some of the body language as well, and just all the things that come as a part of those face-to-face interactions. A lot of them are really good. A lot of them are just great. And again, family, just a good friend, um, you know, just, just somebody that you haven't seen maybe for, for a while. Some, some maybe are not so good. I, I uh, in, in honor of, of baseball season starting up, spring training's going on, by the way, um, I thought of a few other face-to-face 
encounters that aren't so good, you can show that, that first picture, you know. Uh, yeah, you get some of these baseball fans, you know about these, and, and maybe the next one, Dan. Yeah, just, you know, pleading his case. And then this one, this is my favorite. Some face-to-face -face encounters maybe just aren't quite so good. <laughs> And, and you've had good ones, maybe with people you know, again, and love, and, and maybe you've had some bad ones with people you know and love, and you've had some bad ones with people you don't know so well either, some impromptu face-to-face um, -face encounters uh, as well. But these, these Sundays, what are we learning about Jesus? What do we want to learn about uh, Jesus in these face-to-face -face encounters that we'll experience and we'll, we'll read about in the weeks to come? What happens, to, what happens to people when they, when they get in the same room with Jesus or around the same, the same scene? What happens when people take time to really talk to him and interact with him? What do we learn about Jesus? What do we learn about people? What do we learn about ourselves when we, when we have these interactions? What, what do we need to make sure we, you know, instead of doing what I did with with Harrison Ford and just kind of, it's so easy maybe to even do that with Jesus, right? It would be so easy even, to, even, even during the season of Lent, and we kind of sang about that in that new song that we sang this morning. It, I, it would be easy for me to stay in this safe place. It would be easy for me to kind of pull back and, and just kind of stay protected. But, but you've called me higher. You've called me deeper, Lord. You're inviting me into new places. And, and what will it mean for us during the season of Lent to, to, to put ourselves into this place of, of both learning from Jesus and how he lives and being people who encounter him ourselves? Um, again, today this encounter with Jesus is a little bit different. It's not a human person coming face to face with Jesus. It's the devil. And the original language is, the devil's called here, the tempter. Uh, interestingly, the, the literal translation of the word used for the devil in the original language is, is the, and I got to say this right, the splitter, not the spitter, but the splitter. And, and that's really kind of interesting to me to think that, that the one that we know as the devil, the one that we know as the enemy, the one that we know as the tempter, the one that we know as the evil one, literally in this passage, most originally when the story was, was first communicated, was, was called the splitter. It's interesting to think about the, the devil as the one who splits things apart, who's whose goal of existence is to break people from God, to break and split people from one another, to even split people within themselves. It gives some more depth and definition to who this one is that Jesus is dealing with in these, in these verses. This passage has long served as sort of a framework for the season of Lent and for a Christian's uh, journey uh, and experience of the season of Lent. Here is Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so, so followers of Jesus 
long to be led by the Spirit in the season of Lent. Here is Jesus fasting, we're told, having nothing to eat or drink for 40 days. And so Christians are invited to fast uh, during the season of Lent for 40 days. It's 46 total if you're counting on your calendar, but a little insider tip, the Sundays are feast days. So just, uh, you can have french fries today, and, uh, or whatever it might be. Because we always, we always live in the light of the resurrection, friends even in the season of Lent, while we fast and, and, and limit and make space for God in new ways, we're always remembering on the Sundays that Jesus is risen. Um, uh, here in this account, Jesus leans on Scripture. You, you've noted it before. Maybe you heard it again for the for the hundredth time or maybe for the first time. Jesus leans into Scripture in powerful ways. He, he stands upon it. Scripture, God's Word, is the foundation for Jesus in this interaction. And so for Christians during the season of Lent, might Scripture be that which we particularly give ourselves to? Maybe it's one portion of Scripture, a book in the Bible, or maybe it's a different psalm each day, or uh, the lament psalms or different portions of scripture that we might listen to and lean into in particular in this season of Lent. Here Jesus is cared for by the angels. It's, you know, it's a great part of this story. Uh, and and, and Chris, so Christians in the season of Lent long to know and, and love to know that, that God is caring for us. God is providing for us. That the resources of heaven are being made available to us even in times of difficulty and challenge as we give ourselves to him. I, I don't know about you, but, and, and maybe not, because I told my wife, she's in childcare, and usually I kind of preach my sermon to her uh, in advance, sometimes when she's in childcare and even when she's going to hear it again the second time. But I, I told her last night, I said, I... And, and she didn't feel like me at all, so maybe she's, you're more like her. But in the past, when I've read this story, I've always sort of thought of this passage, and I hope this doesn't sound bad, but maybe you're with me or maybe you're not. I've always sort of thought of this passage as Jesus kind of being at the mercy of the devil. I don't know why. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm reading it through my own kind of lens or the way I heard it originally. Um... Here's Jesus, fully God, right, but also fully man. And here in the wilderness, he's fasting, and he's seemingly very vulnerable to the temptations of the enemy. And it would, it's always seemed to me that Jesus is in, is in full halt mode here. You guys know what halt is, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And I've always looked at this, and maybe he's not so angry, but maybe he is. Like, come on, spirit, you're going to lead me into the wilderness where I can be tempted? Seriously? I just got baptized. Now this? Hungry for sure. Lonely, just him in the wilderness. And, 
and tired. And I'm just, and, and, and I don't know about you. I mean, I guess we could go around and I could have you share with your neighbor, neighbor what you're like when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. But most of us are not so pleasant, right? It's a good thing that we're lonely because we, we're not very nice to be around. I always just sort of envision Jesus as this kind of vulnerable, oh man, he's, he's hungry, and he's angry, he's lonely, he's tired, he's in the midst of this, this extremely challenging physical and emotional conditions, and he's just like a, just like a sitting duck, he's just like, a, like an easy target for the devil, and He's just sort of barely hanging on and, and vulnerable in the face of temptations. And I've always kind of pictured him. I, again, this is probably, I, this, it's, I'm sure you're not like this at all, but I just kind of pictured him as like, oh, man, devil, that's a good one. What am I going to do? Oh, wait, there's that one Bible verse. What is it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, that, and this. Whew. Made it. Oh, wait, another temptation. Oh, wait a second, I've got to think of another Bible verse. And I was just kind of, I don't know, picture Jesus as sort of this, this kind of one being kind of led along by, by the devil and just lucky to make it almost from one temptation to the end and, or to the next. And, and, and when he comes to the end and, the, and it says that the angels ministered to him, I just picture it like, like a boxer. We had this big boxing match a couple weeks ago and... I know, some of you are like, boxing? Did you really have to talk about that in your sermon? It's so gnarly. But um, I, I just I almost picture like the boxer at the end of the uh, 12 rounds or 15 or however long they go these days and just, just struggling and staggering over to his corner and falling onto the stool and his cornerman just kind of, you know, fanning him and just trying, you know, the smelling salts and just trying to get him awake again. And, and here's the angels to Jesus. Smelling salts. You made it. It's going to be all right. But I don't think I'm right. All that. All that. I don't think I'm right. I don't know, maybe I am right, but, but I want to posture an alternative possibility this morning for just a moment. What if, uh, what if instead of the image that I've conveyed, what if what's actually going on here in this passage, in this scene, is a, is a, is a demonstration of the strength and the clarity of Jesus. <clears throat> what if, what if, yes, he's hungry? Sure, given. But, but what if uh, his fasting, his 40 days of no food and water has not left him weak and vulnerable, but what if his fasting has left him spiritually disciplined and focused? And alert. What if Jesus' alone time in the wilderness has not left him lonely and woe is me and despairing, but has allowed him the physical and the emotional and the spiritual space 
follow, just following his moments of baptism to deeply internalize those words that he just heard. Remember the words that we said over and over in January? <laughs> this is my beloved son whom I love very, very deeply. I'm so well pleased with him. What if, what if these 40 days have given him a chance alone to just to, to hear those words and to let them seep deeply into his consciousness, into his self-understanding, into his sense of identity? And, and this hasn't been a time of despair, but a time of, of deepening. What if instead of Jesus being a sitting duck here in the wilderness for the temptation of the devil, the splitter. What if Jesus is more ready than ever? Um, actually, the, the interaction, as I read the story from that perspective again this week and from that angle, like trying to say, maybe there's a different way to hear this. I think the story backs up that angle. And some of you are like, yeah, Pastor James, that's how I've read it my whole life. That other thing you were talking about, I have no idea what that was. This invitation to turn stones to bread, Jesus just quickly says it's, it's about more than physical. We, we live by the words that come from the Father's mouth. This, uh, this challenge to throw himself off the temple, Jesus calmly responds, testing God is never a good idea. No question about that. Nice try on the scripture, devil. The offer of world supremacy, if he will only but bow briefly for a moment, he doesn't even have to like give himself lifelong to the devil, just for a moment. Jesus tells him, get out, get out. And even this week, the first time I read it, I was like, oh yeah, it's, that's get out like Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Like, I got to get out of here because I'm about ready to give in to this. Remember that in the Old Testament? Joseph tempted, lured by Potiphar's wife, and, and, and as she seduces him and draws him in, he flees. He gets out of there, and, and it's the message that we often tell one, us, one another, and especially our young people in the midst of that sexual temptation, particularly, just flee, get out. And, and I'm thinking, here's, here's this temptation and Jesus is like, oh, I'm about to bow. No, I got to just get out. And I don't think it's that at all. I think it's Jesus saying, are you kidding me? Get out of here. It's not happening. It's not ha don't stop wasting your breath. It's over for you. I know because the scriptures tell me that I will worship the Lord God only and serve him, serve him alone. There's, uh, there's much for us to, to think about here if this is the case, that this face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus is much more about Jesus being in charge and not being the one sort of led along by the devil. There's much to learn here if, in fact, this face-to-face -face encounter is Jesus wanting to, to show us some things, not just... For us to see him as, as vulnerable. The, uh, the passage, without a doubt, wants to make one thing perfectly clear. A few that I'll bring to mind, but this in particular just to begin. The, the tempter, many of us need to hear this again, but this 
this passage. In fact, one person says like this. He, he, said, uh, he said this strongly. The temptation story is in Scripture so that Christians may know that, quote here, the enemy we grapple with is a conquered, baffled, disarmed enemy. The tempter, the splitter, though he longs to split us apart from God, from one another, and even within ourselves, is a defeated foe who's capable, Jesus shows us, of being overcome and overwhelmed even now through the word of God and through the power and the presence of the Spirit in our lives. The one who would be defeated at the cross and in the resurrection, ultimately, and who still like a kind of chicken with his head cut off is causing a big mess, but is ultimately vanquished. This one is, uh, is a defeated foe, limited, still roaring, prowling about like a lion, but limited power. Our victory is, is secured. Uh, it's interesting to think that, that you know, the, the, the temptations of Jesus, though here concentrated in this wilderness event, were not limited here. And, and they would continue throughout his ministry, uh, sometimes in the words and actions of his friends. <laughs> his, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> sometimes in the opposition by a religious Leaders around him, ruling authorities. But Jesus faced those battles and the enemy in the same way, even at the cross, in the same way that is available to us. Again, the Word of God, the power of the Spirit, a defeated foe. Uh, Another thing that I just really need to hear myself is that this passage is so much more, this encounter is so much more about God than it is about the devil. And, and again, the, the scriptures clearly acknowledge the presence of the enemy. Here it is the splitter in action. And yet, just, just notice how each of Jesus' scriptures that he quotes, each reference that he kind of responds back to the enemy, um, just just demonstrate Jesus' sense of the priority of the Father in, in all these situations. I just, again, um, people shall live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Don't test the Lord your God. You shall worship the Lord your God. It's just like at every turn here in this story, at every turn in this encounter, Jesus is, as he said he would do and, and, and was doing, was, was one with the Father and was pointing to the Father. Every time we, we hear and we think and we encounter Jesus, he's always pointing us to the Father. Every time, there's, every time there's difficulty, every time there's a tendency to focus on the brokenness, every time there's a temptation to blame the devil, any time there's a recognition that the enemy is at work 
and an affirmation that there are spiritual forces at play in the world and even in our circumstances, when we, we would just understand and recognize that we are people who are under attack, the, the, the last part of the story is never we're under attack. The last part of the story is always we're under attack and God. And God is greater. And God is able. The story can never end for us. That devil. Does that make sense? The story can never, the the, the testimony can never be. That splitter, he's got us. The the testimony always is, God is healing us. God is at work bringing us back together. All three of Jesus' answers, the central word, the central reality is, is God. But, but I just, I like this picture. I just I think that we, we just learn a lot about Jesus, the Son, here too. And uh, we, we learn some things about him just in terms of him just being Jesus and, and just his, his, uh, his sense of, of what kind of a, of a Lord he is, his, his, uh, he has this, this clear sense of mission and vocation. I love that. I love as I, as, I, as I read this passage, as one who has become, along with so many here and throughout history and around the globe, as those who have become the grateful recipients of the work of Jesus on the cross. I, I love to see the, and hear the sense of vocation and mission in Jesus' voice here. I, I, love to, I love to be grasped by this idea that, that, that Jesus wouldn't let anything deter him from his sense of mission and vocation. He had come to do a job, to save his people from their sins. And I learned something about Jesus, and my awe of him just grows. My love and my attitude for Jesus grows. That that it wasn't an easy trek. It wasn't a, a, a... you know, a, a path uh, um, paved with ease. But he was willing to undergo even this kind of challenge for me and for you. I, I love that. Um, I love that Jesus is so, at the same time, so uh, dependent on the other members of the Trinity. I love that Jesus is, gives us in this story a picture of the vastness of the three-in-one God that we worship mysteriously. <laughs> I, I love that he's led by the Spirit. I, I love that, that he gives acknowledgement to the Father. I, I love that, that we, we get a sense through his this encounter and the way that he operates within it, that, that, uh, that there is something 
in him that is a part of even something so much bigger. I, I love that, that as I lean and listen into this story, that I, that I know that... Uh, I uh, just, we, we can know, we can know that, that there's this triune God, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And friends, if you haven't kind of, I don't know, delved into that just a little bit, I invite you to. Uh, the vastness, the richness, the abundance that is for us in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I love that Jesus draws this sense of, of this, this team. <laughs> and, and, and reminds us that this triune God remains at the ready. The Father who knows and is able, the Spirit who leads and guides, the Word of God that is available um, I, I love that, uh, that, that we can know from this story that Jesus is one that can be trusted. He'll do what he says he'll do. He's been assaulted at this most critical juncture of his life, perhaps, and yet he is pressing forward. He's dependable. He's reliable. He's worthy of our own confidence, worthy of our own um, Worthy of our own commitment. And, and I, would, I love that he becomes for us a, a, a model. And, and I want to be a little bit careful here just because I think that this story is about so much more than Jesus just like being an example for us as to how we can respond to, to temptation. But, and it is. It, it, I mean, there's a cosmic battle going on here that God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are engaging in and, and, and winning on our behalf. And yet, yet, there's this really kind of simple motif that we dare not miss. And that is that, that as Jesus engages in this uh, conversation, this encounter, he is, he is not only... Uh, our champion, but he's our, our example. And he invites us to, to follow him. And, and, I, and I know that, that this season of Lent, I, you know, I, I, gotta, I just got to think that when Christians around the world decide that for 40 days, we're going to respond to the call of God to go deeper. I just got to believe that when, when the church of Jesus Christ together says we just we're going to kind of cut some stuff out we're going to we're going to really sort of dial into what it is that you're doing in the world lord and what you want to how, how you where you want to grow me and how you want to stretch me i, I just got to kind of think that the enemy doesn't want that to happen and and if there would be a time in the Christian calendar when the enemy might be able to say, oh yeah, you're, you're feeling some sense of penitence, of conviction about your sin. Yeah, actually, you're a horrible person. <laughs> you, are, you are a bad person. That sin is only an indicator of just how terrible you are. And, and we want to turn our healthy sense of penitence and 
conviction and confession and appropriate level of, of, of transformation into this, this sense of despair and condemnation. I, I can only imagine that in this season where we're invited to, to kind of take special moments to be alone with God that, that, that the devil would love to whisper all sorts of untruths in our ear. And, and, and take us to a place that God would never intend us to go. And so I, I think that we, uh, we, we see Jesus' example both of his sense of identity, his sense of vocation and mission. We see and sense the very practical steps of leaning into and standing on the foundation of Scripture. We place ourselves in the hands and in the trust of Father and Spirit. And we trust that God will help us as well to face that temptation to prepare our hearts in the same way, to believe that this season and whatever fasting or experience we're uh, experiencing would, would not be that which is making us weak and vulnerable, but that which is making us alert and disciplined and, and strong. This morning, as we come to the Lord's Supper, the celebration of the, the table, this is, just, this is just that. What, what I said earlier about being an opportunity for us to, maybe for the first time or maybe a repeated moment here to, to, to place our trust in what God has done for us through Jesus. And, and some of you, again, this might be a moment for you. This might be a moment of reconnection, recommitment. It might be a moment of Stepping across that line of faith, maybe for the first time. Let God do that for you. And it may also be a moment in which you, you experience this as the, as the angels coming to, to minister to you. I don't know all that the shapes and forms that that can take in our lives. But I know that God does it. I, I, don't, I don't always, you know, I can't always name it in the moment, but I can look back at times in my life, as I would venture to guess many of us could, that would be like, wow, maybe the angels were ministering to me in that moment. And I can even remember times where I've received the Lord's Supper where there's been this sense that oh, that was just... That was, that was good and good for me. <laughs> it was good in the sense that I just acknowledge what God has done through Jesus. Broken body, shed blood, praise God, amen, forever and ever. And it was good for me in the sense that, man, I, I, that, was just, that was just food for my soul. That was just sustenance for my journey. And there might be some of you who come today and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm a little bit weak and I'm a little bit vulnerable. If I had to 
really confess this morning, I would have to say that I'm not as spiritually alert <laughs> as I need to be. And, and I need the body and blood. I need this remembrance of Jesus and the depth of his love and his presence to, to just come into me physically and spiritually in a very beautiful way to resource me for the journey that is ahead. So as we enter into this season of Lent, this season of drawing deeper, going higher with the Lord, I invite you to, to respond to him just as he would, he would have you to today as you come to the Lord's Supper.